So let's celebrate labor, not just any kind of labor, all kinds of labor. On this Labor Day weekend, we should look back at the history of the labor of our country and celebrate where we're at. And we're certainly not where we want to be, but we keep moving forward. But looking back at where we started can give us a great indication of how hard we have worked. And we'll talk about that right now. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome back to another week of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for joining us from across America and around the world. Hope you're having a great week. So on this Labor Day weekend, I wanted to take some time to really look at labor, like in total, not a certain kind of labor. Although from the Industrial Revolution, we had predominantly one kind of labor in factory work and producing things, but how far we've come and what we're working on today when we talk about things like diversity inclusion or we talk about remote work of how many people are going to work from home versus work in an office. But when you think back of where we came from, it's just a lot of progress we have made. And certainly we want to continue that and make working the way we want it. But there is just so much opportunity now, even just in that diversity and inclusion space or any kind of space, you think of how social media has changed everything from not just Facebook and Twitter, but you think about what I would call useful social media like like LinkedIn and where places where you can build your own brand places where you in the past you wouldn't have been able to bring your expertise out for others to see and I've seen a lot of people certainly in my LinkedIn feed that that have that space because of who they are but being able to get it out there in front of other people without even necessarily working for their company or in a lot of cases not necessarily working for a company themselves or just working for themselves in a lot of cases and just showing what they have to offer. So looking back at why do we even celebrate this weekend? Because obviously a lot of people look at the part of, well, it's the last full weekend before fall starts. A lot of places that's where school is starting for the year endless sales at the mall, Labor Day weekend sales and all of that. But it really grew out of the late 19th century organized labor movement. You think about that and working the way they worked where 56, 60 hour weeks were normal and kids working. And bear in mind, everybody was off Sunday. So you're, you're, you're not even working seven days a week. Well, in some cases they were, but they were cramming all that in one day for, for hardly anything. And the idea first became public in 1882. The unions of New York decided to have a parade to celebrate their members being in unions and support all unions. And at least 20,000 people were there and the workers had to give up a day's pay to attend. And there was also a lot of beer involved in the event, as you can imagine. But um, the New York parade 
inspired other unions across the country. Other regions started having parades, and by 1887, Oregon, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Colorado, uh, made Labor Day a state holiday. And in May 4th, 1886, bomb exploded at a union rally in Chicago's Haymaker Square, and that led to a lot of violence that killed seven police officers and four others. And the incident led to May 1st being celebrated as a nation's Workers' Day. The U.S. government chose Labor Day instead to avoid a celebration on May 1st, and New York unions already picked up the first Monday of September for their holiday, so they just kind of consolidated it. And interesting of the origins of the first New York City event is they can't really tell who it, who started it because there was two guys that were very integral in starting it and they had the same last name but they weren't related so a guy named matthew mcguire who's a machinist and peter mcguire who was a carpenter they've been linked to the 1882 parade and they were from rival unions if that wasn't enough and they weren't sure which one of them started it because over the the years of the story i mean could you imagine in 1882 what kind of uh information you'd be getting or documentation but i think it's safe to say they probably both had a hand in it but it wasn't long after that, that President Grover Cleveland in 1884 made it an actual federal holiday. Since most states had already passed it anyway, they decided to go ahead and make it a, a legal federal holiday in 1894. So we're talking well, well over 130 years of celebrating labor at this point. And since the 19th century, the celebrations really focused on parades in, in, in urban cities and well-developed, you know, more population, all that kind of stuff. But now the uh, holiday is a celebration that honors organized labor with fewer parades, but more activities. And this is where probably we could just say that commercialism is taking over. You think about Labor Day sales and going to the park and three-day weekends. And it, we tend to do that quite a bit in, in a lot of our holidays. So we're not close to when it was really at its boiling point of people just couldn't take it anymore in mass form at the mass level. And uh, you know, as further we get away from that, you think of other things or, or, or just just like the difference of, you know, Veterans Day versus Memorial Day, and we forget which is which and why, and are we going to the mall because of that, or are we just really simply taking time to recognize why we're thinking about that? Even the existence of our own country is that way, as we get further and further away from the idealism of why it started. And then it gets into silly stuff, like, can you wear white after Labor Day? And this is going all the way back to the Victorian era, and thankfully, <laughs> this isn't a thing anymore, but people still joke about that stuff. You can't wear white because because it's time to get into colder, darker months and white doesn't make sense. And it's really kind of ridiculous when you think about it. And Labor Day, if you didn't know, is the unofficial end of hot dog season, if you're into that. But the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council says that between Memorial Day and Labor Day, Americans will eat 7 billion hot dogs. Somebody's got to make those 7 billion hot dogs, but I'm sure uh, a lot of doctors would wish we wouldn't. And right in the middle of that is July 4th, and that's when uh, Nathan's Hot Dogs on Coney Island has their contest. But I guess it's okay to eat hot dogs after Labor Day. So you, I guess you can now wear white after Labor Day and eat hot dogs, but I didn't know there was a hot dog season. Hmm, the more you know. And they talk about unions today. So just a few years ago, in 2017, there were about 14.8 million union members. Back in 1983, there were 17.7 .7 million union members. And for me, there's a, a when I talk about unions and I, and I correlate that with how do we lead. 
But it's very hard to run a business when you're the biggest part of your labor force is unionized because there's so many different rules and, and roadblocks, quite honestly, to do what you want to do, to be more nimble, to promote people faster, to develop people faster. But when you look back at the beginning of where we started in, in, at the Industrial Revolution stage forward and how we treated people, and let's be honest, we didn't have any of that and we didn't have massive factories before that. So who really knew how to manage any of that? And who knew that they had to, how they had to treat people and things like that? They were just business owners were just looking purely at bottom line. And quite frankly, quite a few do today. And we can obviously see the evidence when you don't, when you do take the time to develop your team and you do understand, like you reverse engineer where you're going and the profits will be there later with the right team in place. But when it does come to the union discussion, there was a great purpose for that back then because people were just flat out being abused. And even today, when you think about, you know, protecting um, content, protecting what legally should should be yours. So you think about being in a union to protect that, whether it's your intellectual property, uh, obviously like the record industry and things like that. Now in Hollywood, I get that. But your run-of-the-mill business, you really shouldn't need one. You really shouldn't need a union because if you're really taking care of your people and you're really helping them develop and, and expand and grow and do all these things, the union shouldn't be necessary. And I know a lot of unions go try to invade a business because let's face it, it's profit for them too, just to have members. And you got to balance that, you know, what you're paying in dues for what clout you're getting. And well, if you're going to join that, then you got to rely on that union to get you what you want. But at the end of the day, is that the most productive way? Because right now the biggest union in the country is the National Education Association. That has about 3 million members. And you see a lot of arguments on collective bargaining agreements for teachers and things like that, that you really wouldn't need if you just took care of it. If you just treated them right and paid them well and all those things, like any company, the unions wouldn't have to be a thing. But looking at all of that and thinking of where we are now, and that's just a very, very super quick overview of the history of work. I mean, you can go into by decade and, and, and all kinds of things when you think about things that have come from that as the 40-hour work week. You think about what companies have to pay, uh, start giving vacations and health care and then the government stepping in on some things like the uh, Family Medical Leave Act so you can actually go out and still have a job when you come back and, and not worry about losing your job just because maybe you broke your leg or you had a fever and you're out a couple days or whatever that is. So there's there's this kind of ebb and flow to that of, of development. And we look at the things today that we're demanding out in the labor force because more and more and more, each, each generation, we are transitioning way more more to a thought-based thing of what we're doing, of people having their own brand and bringing more of their skill set to something versus just constantly cranking out the same product over and over and over. Now, we're always going to have some of that. We're always going to have factories to do things and processing plants and all of that. But even if you just like, so we think about that being created back in 1894, well, where are we going to be in 2094? We're, talk, we're on the cusp of a lot of different things when you think about trucks driving themselves and automation and artificial intelligence and things that are already a thing, if you will. But how much more of a thing will they be by then 
And what kind of labor force are you going to need to do things like that? Or you think about going to the grocery store. I mean, is that ever going to be something where it becomes a, a giant vending machine? And there's actually companies out there that have a small little building that is that, that will get you fruit and milk and cereal and things like that. And you just put your money in and it pops out versus going into a building and somebody serving you. I mean, is that really ever going to go away? Or you think about the restaurant industry where do we get to a point and you see a lot of fast foods doing this with automated ordering menus. And at the same time, they're testing automated cooking. So are you really going to have robots putting together your, your Big Mac? I hope you're not eating too many of those. I haven't been to McDonald's in forever, but that's where we're heading. And how much of the labor force is going to change into thought-based type things where we're letting machinery do a lot of the manual stuff, if you will. And we're just thinking about it. What does that mean for the next two or three generations on where their brain power needs to be? You have drones and people are talking about even airliners flying themselves, which a lot of them actually can. A lot of, There's airliners that can land themselves and the pilot's just kind of sitting there and they don't even take over until the plane's on the runway and they're slowing down. And that's not a lot of cases, but even in, even in small aircraft, like a, like a small Cessna, you can now put that unit in your plane that will auto land your plane. So is that where we're going? We don't need pilots. We don't need truck drivers. We don't need any of those kinds of things. And where does that end? And it's inevitable that we are going in that direction. But what does that mean for labor to you in how you're going to pivot and change? And right now, it's it's not something you need to do urgently, but it is heading in that direction. And if you're a, a business that gets things delivered to you a lot, you're probably already feeling that pinch of lack of truck drivers because there's going to be this balance between Okay, we're going to have automated trucks, so we don't need as many drivers, but we need a lot of drivers now to get us to that point. And do we fully ever go that direction or not? And what does change? Or what do, what changes for us as a person? What defines a work week where a lot of companies are shifting? And this really depends on what kind of work you do. But when you think about you know, if you're not in front of your customer, like you don't have to be there and you're a project-driven company, what does that really mean? You can work whenever and just have the, pro the project done whenever it's due versus um, you're going to work eight to five Monday through Friday, no matter what. Because I think about, for example, uh, songwriters that they would have songwriting sessions. And I remember uh, listening to an interview and I want to say it was, and this is going back several years, uh, but don't tell her I said this, not that she's old, but going back several years, I want to say it was Shania Twain was I was watching an article where they would have like mandated writing sessions and they'd say, okay, hey, show up at such and such a place and you have a couple of the writers with you and it's at a fixed time and you guys just show up and you got to write. And for her, that was a big problem because she was like, well, sometimes the inspiration hits me when it hits me. It may not hit me at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. And a lot of our work is starting to drift that way. But then there's other things, obviously, where you're bound by time. And there's that, that hard balance. And if you're a leader in a company, who gets to do what, what way? What makes more sense? And what is the labor force telling us? And what we're seeing now is the shift of the workforce saying it and doing it versus when you think about way back when, when we talk about these rallies and we talk about people 
demanding certain rights or, or marching in the streets and all that stuff versus you think about what we've talked about since mid 2020 of the great resignation, meaning people are going to go gravitate to the kind of jobs they want that let them work the way they want to do and, and go down that road. So it's a lot different. Of We're not waiting on the government to tell us that, hey, we, uh, we're going to go do something else. Plus, all think about this. Think about the power of social media that just about anybody, for whatever reason, and there's a whole myriad of them, um, could get famous on TikTok or, or Instagram, just doing innocuous stuff that people just find entertaining. And then the next thing you know, that's what they do. Or they have their own YouTube channel, and that's just what they do. It, it, there's just so many ways to build your future now. Or think about college. And I, I've got a real, real mixed bag feeling about college. Like, for example, why in high school, even even like high level AP honor students that are taking trig and calculus and stuff like that in high school, as soon as they get to college, they got to take math again just because there's X amount of math credits or English credits. So you just had English lit in high school. What are you doing that again for? It starts to make you wonder, is it just college is charging more? How, I mean, when do you get to what you're there for? So if you say you're an accountant or an architect or whatever it is you're going to do, let's get into that. From high school, I'm pretty sure I got the basics of what I need for other stuff. And of course, the old argument of when are you ever going to use algebra in real life unless you're going to be a math teacher and all that kind of stuff. So part of me is like, is college really a scam? Or is it really important because how many companies won't even talk to you without a degree? And they miss out on somebody who really either has a lot of life experience or just experience in that general profession, but not all the other stuff. They didn't take time to get a degree. They just, they're just good at it. And how do you balance all that? And that's, to me, what is so interesting. And as for us as leaders, we need to look out for is the workforce is starting to tell us through their actions. Now, there's quite a few, obviously, demanding things. Again, in the diversity inclusion space, you see a concerted movement there. But just on the on the on the part of how people want to work and where they want to work and when they want to work, they're just quietly migrating to that or creating the, their own work, creating their own brand to do whatever it is they're going to do and do that on their own. When you talk about like online education and people creating courses that they just have expertise in. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that where you can do all that and launch a course and people pay you. And really, you just made a video of it and provided value and showed people in one place where they don't have to go all over the place to find this information. They can make an actual decent living at that and think about how often they're going to work or they're not going to work. Because now with the power of social media, you can reach millions of people where in decades past, you were stuck in the company you were in or the industry you were in, even in the city you were in. It was very hard for who's going to know you back then. So we see a lot of changes in the labor force that we've got to deal with. But but I think we get so ramped up in we want to change this. We want to change that. We want to do things different. And we don't even think about where we came from and how much progress we actually have made. But most importantly, what is out in front of us? What is available to us that we can we can gravitate toward as a labor force that we kind of don't need permission, in other words. We don't need to go to a parade. We don't need to march up and down the street with signs and this and that. Now, it's one thing when you're seeing flat out discrimination and things like that. 
that's not what I'm talking about here. But when we think about moving forward, the future, as much as if you watch the news a lot, doesn't look great. It is great. How you can connect with people all around the world. I've done that with this podcast. I didn't know anybody in multiple countries, even in multiple states. But I'm able to put this out there and hopefully connect with some people and get some feedback from some people and share ideas and thoughts and things like that. And I'd have never been able to do any of that. So with anything else, it's it's so important to understand the past and where we've come from and really decide on where we want to go. Because if you listen to my particular podcast or any length of time, you'll see a recurring themes of certain things. And certainly one of those things is the finite amount of time you have to do anything it is you're going to do. And where are you going to spend that time? But how are you going to do that creating things that propel you forward, that create other things, not just oh, I did X, Y, and Z today, and that's it. In the days of kind of living our nights by the television, I mean, my parents in, in the 70s and 80s, that's the way it was, where they'd come home and we had certain shows we watched if it was Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and so on. And when you think of how mind-boggling that is compared to today, where there's so much to do, so much to get out and get done and be a part of, but that's how it was. You worked the day, you came home, and everybody had dinner together, and then there was certain shows on TV. And by the way, back then, parents controlled the TV, not the kids. And they didn't have TVs in every room where the second dinner was done, everybody disappeared into their room and either got on their tablet or watched their own television show or whatever. There was none of that. And so we, we have a lot more freedom now, personally, professionally, things we want to do than we've ever had. But are we accomplishing more? And I would argue, yes, that we are. So thinking about moving forward with labor, and if you're a leader and how the labor force is going to go, understanding all those things of how different it is now versus how different it was then and what people really want now. But there are some themes that are static throughout it all that are the same. And not that that was provided a lot back then, but no matter how your workforce wants to work, when you recognize them for what they do, and I don't mean just a pat on the back. I mean like specific to what they did. When they understand what winning looks like, when, when they know they're winning all the time, or they know, hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z because we're not winning, but we can do it together. When there's that open communication, when basically, and this should be predominant for just about any industry, that nobody would ever want to join a union. Nobody would ever want to leave. Or if they did leave your team, they're absolutely running towards something else. They're not oh man, I can't take it here. I don't like it here or whatever. They're actually going towards something else. And you can say, you know, maybe you aren't going to work here forever, but I hope whatever time you spent here, you always felt like that was a good decision. And, and you can say a couple of those things about your labor force and you're probably leading in the right direction. But as much anxiety and turmoil and things that are out there, there's way more good if you're looking for it. So when you think back this Labor Day weekend on where what we really want right now and where we really want to go. Also think back to where we were 100 years ago, 50 years ago, heck, even 20 years ago and where we are now. And it's really getting, it really is getting better. And the workforce is really dictating what they want to do. So just understand that. And as a leader, know that you still are the barometer for your work culture. You still get to decide what it's like to work on your team and how you're going to move forward. And, and think about this Labor Day week is just kind of ponder back on that and ask yourself, what kind of leader are you?
Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.